Hello and welcome to Practical Code number 24. This is a review of X-Force number 3, the 2019 issue by Benjamin Percy and Joshua Kassara. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Today, I'll be reviewing, again, X-Force number 3, talking about its role and place in Dawn of X as we get into the lives and deaths of Professor X and a bit of the Krakoan dream. Without further ado, let's talk X-Force number three through three issues. X-Force continues to improve and build on the promise of House of X. It's one of my favorite Dawn of X titles, and issue three did not disappoint. Today I'll be answering how X-Force is the X-Men Dawn of X title most consistently fulfilling the promise of House of X, what we've learned about the death of Professor X, the mystery of the fifth assassin, and are there any Reaver-friendly mutants? If you like the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. And as always, go on over to comicbookherald.com for your reading order, comic book analysis, and guide needs. All right, issue number three of X-Force follows in the wake of the Reavers' attack on Krakoa and their successful assassination of Professor X and destruction of his Cerebro headgear. Last issue also saw Wolverine and Quentin Quire discover the facility where the Reavers were horrifically holding a skinned and tortured Domino, using her mutant DNA in order to infiltrate the nation of Krakoa. We now know this faction of anti-mutant terrorists is capturing and experimenting on a variety of mutants in order to implant themselves with cybernetic upgrades, which is very much in line with the Reavers we know and, well, hate. I also have to call out the remarkably effective opening nine panels in X-Force number three, where the creative team alternates close-ups of Domino's torture and mission statement monologuing by the man with the peacock tattoo, which for the record is way less intimidating sounding than a dragon tattoo. As Wolverine and Quentin are rescuing Domino from this horrific fate, the process of reviving the assassinated professor is underway, primarily driven by Jean Grey and Beast. Alright, so let's get into how X-Force is the X-Men Dawn of X title most consistently fulfilling the promise of House of X. Beast here is asking the question about the value of death in conversation with Jean Grey. It's an X-Men book, a comic, that is very much getting into the reveal in House of X number 5 that, you know, Professor X, Cerebro, and the entire Krakoan nation has these resurrection protocols, meaning that if a mutant, any mutant, dies, they are able, they have them backed up, their memory, their self, their sort of soul and well-being is able to be put into a pod that looks just like them come on back and they're resurrected so it takes the comic book trope or become a trope of you know death is not permanent and people come back to life relatively quickly and it it spins it around and says actually we're just not going to mess with that anymore and x-force has been the comic that has been going into resurrection and you know like what that actually means for the world of x-men Head first by assassinating Professor X, very famously, now in issue number one, and saying, all right, if even the head of this island nation is assassinated, does it mean anything? What does death mean in this world of X-Men? Gene answers everyone's fears about the stakes being taken out of X-Men comics because death is no longer permanent, or at least doesn't seem that way. What Gene says here is, what I'm saying is without death, life is less about me and more about us. The long game of mutant kind. That's the dream of Krakoa. This is honestly the closest I've seen any of these, save a few hints here and there in the Hickman written issues, maybe, get to referencing the futures we've seen referenced in the pages of Powers of X and available to us via glimpses into Myra's lifelines from House of X number two and throughout House of X and Powers of Ten. We see Gene, you know, espousing this philosophy 
over a pod version of Professor X, who is apparently being prepared to be brought back to life. We saw in X-Force number two that Jean was the one who would have the ability, the, the you know psychic ability, to actually bring Professor X back to life. And that is what we're seeing now being done in this issue. This is a big deal. Again, remember, Professor X is the only one that was officially capable of you know appropriately backing up and restoring the the minds and souls and beings through cerebro of mutants and that you know when the five bring back the pod people he was the one who sort of gave them the touch to make mutants themselves gene gray is now able to do this as she is doing it with the the head of house of x himself professor charles xavier so what do we learn about the death of Professor X now that he's already back. The end result is the apparent resurrection and public announcement of his return. I do think it's interesting here that the media actually gets wind of his apparent assassination, meaning Krakoan, um, you know, goings-ons apparently do get out into the world at large uh, with, with some regularity. I say apparent resurrection as well because this all happens fairly quickly throughout the issue given the significance of the professor's role in making resurrection protocols and cerebro backups tick. As B says, he's all of us. We don't know for certain that Professor X is actually brought back uh, 100% himself. I think there is, it kind of gets glossed over here. There's a chance, a pretty decent one I would say, that maybe something did go wrong. Um, I'm also still questioning, Professor X was assassinated so easily, kind of, in X-Force number one, was there a bigger plan? Is there something sneaky that Charles, Magneto, maybe Moira are doing that that actually did this on purpose? Um, I, I prefer that version of events to the alternative, which is naivety. So Professor X is back, but there's a fair amount of doubt we see expressed implicitly and explicitly in this issue as to sort of his, you know, godlike status. I appreciate Quentin Quire in particular challenging the kill no humans law of Krakoa. You have all these villains playing nice with X-Men. You know, you have Apocalypse running around with Excalibur. But it's down to Quentin Quire to call out Professor X on still playing too nice, as he puts it. I think calling out Professor X's mistake seems especially relevant this issue. In both his return, as if nothing went wrong, he even gets a cool sword from Magneto as a memento, the Cerebro Sword, which is an awesome data page and really cool idea, and another glimpse into all the threats that remain to mutant kind, perhaps even from within Krakoa. Talk about that in a second. But I, again, I think it's Quentin has always played this sort of He's louder, you know, in in philosophizing than his actual actions a lot of times. But he is voicing a concern, I think, that that is very applicable to the dawn of X saying, all right, you said there's a law of kill no kill no humans. And very famously in House of X and Powers of Ten, uh, Graydon Creed, Sabretooth was or Victor Creed rather was um, imprisoned, although Graydon could join him for what it's worth. Uh, but Sabretooth is imprisoned, you know, and the Krakoan Council saying, all right, we don't kill humans. OK, and all the villains are on board. Great, great, great. But here you've got Quentin saying, no, humans are still pawn scum, is basically the way he's voicing it. There are a lot of mutants who agree with him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, are these laws, you know, they were kind of held up as these sacrosanct, easily accepted three laws of Krakoa. It, will this hold? Can this actually hold, especially when we have Reavers on the island by X-Force number one? I'm, I'm not so certain myself that that seems that likely. It also bugs me a little that X-Force 1 through 3 are justifying the need for X-Force when everyone involved should know better. 
it feels hollow. Or excuse me, when it feels hollow, Dawn of X clearly suffers from a Moira McTaggart shaped hole. I think House of X and Powers of Ten were especially successful because of the revelations of Moira, right? She's in there and there's this whole new mutant power that she has, has. you know, she has all these lifelines and most importantly, she has vision. She has a, a glimpses of futures and pasts and lives led about what happens to mutants when you know, like all sorts of different variables are at play. And this is kind of what Jean's alluding to in her statement earlier when she says that, you know, she's not fighting for herself. She's fighting for mutant kind. That's the Krakoan dream. They're protecting everyone here. The resurrections, everything about it is protecting a vision of futures that allow mutants to live and thrive. That's what this is all about. And that's what Moira provided in House of X and Powers of Ten that gave this a not only contemporary x-men relevance but the idea that like they're fighting for the future of mutant kind that was really interesting that aspect has kind of been sucked out of dawn of x and i think in in again a series i'm very much enjoying i think x-force one through three are very good but when you look at professor x and magneto even and all these mutants and they're kind of like well i think we didn't expect that that the reavers would be able to infiltrate us and you know we thought maybe we were past this why what are you talking about we thought we were past this that doesn't ring true that doesn't really fit the theme of house of x and powers of 10 that line of thinking does not make sense to me x-force number one again I like the issues, but this is the type of thinking that was happening in 2008 when Cyclops was putting X-Force together in the wake of Messiah Complex. It's reductive. It's regressive. It's a decade old to get to have to think, oh, we've been attacked. Now we need a deniable <laughs> X-Force CIA team. They should have launched out of the gates knowing they needed this. It's kind of goofy to me, this justification for it, at least in my opinion. All right. There's a mysterious death of the fifth assassin on the island of Krakoa. He dies. He had terrible wounds from Wolverine, so no one really quite questions that, you know, that this might have happened due to natural causes. But we, of course, it's revealed to the reader, it's not due to natural causes. He is suffocated by a, a large looming hand, and we don't get a lot of detail as to who it might be. Now, given the players in X-Force so far, the hand that makes the most sense to me is Black Tom Cassidy. He is, he's been kicking himself, you know, uh, since the attack happened because it was in large part his responsibility to protect her co and to protect Professor X. He feels he failed. And I think given his responsibilities in this instance, I don't think it should all be put on his shoulders, but he did fail in, in part. I could see him lashing out in vengeance. I could see him lashing out uh, pure, pure, just sort of, um, uh, gratific violent gratification, you know, because even when Magneto says, how do we keep the press at bay? Black Tom's first reaction is violence. That said, killing this fifth assassin is really um, a bad move for the X-Men because they can't get answers about this this group that has attacked them. So Black Tom would be sort of a short-term answer. I think actually it's probably something a little bit more sinister as I'll get to in a second. And I'll mention here too, not not sinister meaning mr sinister let's be clear uh poor healer 
gets blown up in a data page. This might be our first, I think it's our first Dawn of X data page death um, after it's revealed the Reavers are IEDs upon their demise, so their bodies can't be autopsied. So RIP Healer, uh, we'll see you again soon with Resurrection Protocols, but that was, I think, a first here in the Dawn of X. So, okay. After a very effective and monstrous opener, the newly named Xeno all caps, all on the nose, has been relatively patient and clearly has nothing good planned for the mutants. The idea that Zeno might have a sleeper agent on Krakoa should be terrifying to X-Men fans as well. So, I mean, this was, my first thought was, oh, I think it might be Black Tom. But then my second thought was, actually, this is, maybe there's a sixth assassin who's invisible and hiding on this island, undetected. That feels oddly plausible. To me that there's someone still from this group sort of lying in wait that's terrifying it could also be that there's a mutant on the island with uh somewhat friendly ties to this anti-mutant group which is very much at odds you know like that doesn't make a ton of sense and honestly there are not a lot of options that really come to mind you know there but there are a lot of schemers you know we saw last week in the pages of marauders number three sebastian shaw is a mutant but he's a schemer, right? And like his own self-interest ultimately supersedes whatever the grand vision of Krakoa may well be. So there are tons and tons of options who this sleeper agent might be. I'm very curious to see if it's actually going to be revealed to be a mutant. I, I actually kind of prefer that um, sort of a traitor in their midst as opposed to just a sixth agent who is yet undiscovered. There's also the possibility here that all the awful bigots of the Marvel Universe are effectively teaming up here given the language like the shadows have gathered here and we are one and we are many. I wonder if this is a combination of the likes of the Reavers, Friends of Humanity, Purifiers, etc. All those groups that we saw in the no more, you know, like humans will do this no more. All these groups that over time have killed and destroyed mutants. At the end of the day, X-Force, it's really good. <laughs> this is one of my favorite Dawn of X books. It is the center of the X-Men universe right now, which again is kind of crazy given that there's an actual ongoing series called X-Men written by House of X and Powers of Ten and X-Men Universe architect Jonathan Hickman. But that book is way more tangential, uh, at least in the early going, than X-Force, which is, again, very much the heart of Krakoa, and it's kind of detailing the Krakoan dream. So if you're following Dawn of X and you're invested in these books, X-Force, in my opinion, is a must-add. You can check out the full reading order and guides for all these comics over on comicbookherald.com. I'll include a link here in the show notes. Again, if you like the conversations, please consider liking and subscribing to either Comic Book Herald on YouTube, Best Comics Ever podcast, or, of course, just going on over to comicbookherald.com, following me on social media anywhere, and talking comics. So... Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate any and all comments and theories that you might have about the issue or about where X-Force is going. And in the meantime, I will say what I always say here. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the comics.